The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Welcome to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, on today's episode, we talk with Jeff Simon. He's with the Western Dakota Energy Association. Talk to him about a number of different things, including water issues that are happening. There's some new legislation that was just passed in North Dakota that's going to impact the Bakken oil field since it's a done deal. As far as the legislation goes, Mr. Jeff Simons, kind of somewhat of a political correspondent for us when the bickering and the partisanship and everything gets done, we have something that is finalized. That's when we bring it onto our program. So now we know what to do from there. And that's what we talk about here is a little bit of water issue. You know, in fact, he also just spent a little bit of time down in Oklahoma City They had their big annual interstate oil and gas compact commission. And it's, um, you know, kind of boring for the average folk, but a lot of rules and regulations do come out of there, including some of the things going on with drones, as far as the UAS industry, finding abandoned wells and pipelines and a number of different things. Plus, there's some new regulations in the state of Washington impacting the transportation of crude oil, to the Bakken oil fields, from the Bakken oil fields, excuse me, because they're being extracted out of there. Of course, many of you know that the Bakken oil fields impacts about, oh, I don't know, about seven surrounding states and also Texas, Colorado, Oklahoma, New Mexico, all kinds of states where you've got major energy companies and actually mid-level and even minor, small companies that are headquartered out of those certain areas are impacted by the Bakken oil field and they're able to get it to market. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today with Jeff Simon with the Western Dakota Energy Association. A number of different things involving the energy industry, legislation, the politicians, and what to do next. All that plus much more on today's episode of the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies and I'll tell you what, let's get right to it. This is Jeff Simon with the Western Dakota Energy Association. You know what they always say, water's for drinking, and, and uh, or whiskey's for drinking, water's for fighting, I think is the old line. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but, uh, water was a big issue this past session. The uh, The Water Commission budget is nearly a billion dollars, and that's going to fund water projects, and as well as flood control projects in North Dakota, both of which are, are a really big deal here. Um, you know, uh, produced water is uh, was kind of a, a, an issue as part of the, uh, the pore space legislation that came out of this past session. That... Uh, that kind of turned turn into a sort of a sleeper issue. It didn't, not too many people saw that one coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, what it amounts to is a, a Supreme Court decision in 2017 took into consideration legislation that was passed in 2009 that dealt with, actually it was contemplating, you know, the idea of carbon sequestration, the whole CO2 storage idea. And it uh, took a look at that in the context of uh, oil and, and, uh, 
you know, produced water, wastewater disposal wells and potentially pulled into play the prospect of requiring oil companies to compensate uh, landowners for oil that is uh, discharged or injected, re-injected back into the same unit from which it's produced, which, you know, it's a long t- long-standing kind of common law sort of thing that companies are allowed to do that. They, they do have to pay for surface disturbance, but not for the, uh, you know, the use of the space underground to inject the water. That, that was resolved, so... How about down at that conference down in Oklahoma? Um, I noticed there were a few Bakken presenters specifically from North Dakota. Um, I Just a few, two or three off the top of my head. Uh, did, did the Bakken and North, North Dakota have a pretty good presence down there at that conference that you attended in, Nor- in uh, Norman, Oklahoma? I-O-G-C? What, what was the, the whole? Yes. Yeah. The uh, State Oil and Gas Compact Commission. It's basically the National Association of State Oil and Gas Regulators. And it was actually it was in downtown Oklahoma City is where it was uh, where it was happening at. That's um, it. Sorry about that. Not Norman, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. But, okay. You know the the main public program re- really kind of kicks off with something that's kind of cool. It's a it's a roundtable where um, they, each of the uh, regulators from the states and provinces. There were I believe five provinces from Canada uh, presented as well. There, um, they all get six minutes. You know to kind of give a rundown of uh, what's going on in their state. And uh, obviously, Lynn Helms, our guy here from North Dakota, the Department of Mineral Resources, was there and talked about, you know, what we got going on in North Dakota. I mean, we're uh, kind of boom times right now. 1.4 million barrels a day, 2.7 BCS of gas a day. Um, You know, and and they all talked about, you know, kind of the state of their industry. A lot of them are looking at uh, abandoned wells. Um, It was really remarkable. I I think probably a third of the, the presenters talked about these abandoned wells that, uh, a lot of times they, they just don't have a handle on where any of them are. Um, I believe it was the state of Ohio. They actually found one underneath a school. No kidding. There was kind of a methane seep going into the school, and it was actually the school had been built over an abandoned gas well. Well, I, I was talking to a guy who was down at the conference, and he told me about another gentleman who in, the, in this Ohio thing where they're using this $27,000 drone, basically, uh, plus to go find these abandoned wells. So did yeah. was was there a lot of talk about the drones and uh, the or UAS UAV whatever the you know correct terminology is? But North Dakota, of course, being one of six test states helping set the rules and regulations, surveillance, oil and gas being one of those. Was that mentioned down there at all? Kind of some of the drone talk. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's a big part of the technology. You know, that's really kind of. Uh, you know, what the, a lot of the states are trying to do is just to get a handle on it right now. I think North Dakota pretty much knows where they are. I mean, the drilling just started here in the 1950s. So, uh, you know, they have a pretty good handle on it. But some of these other states, I mean, these are these are pre-turn of the century. And I'm talking the 1800s to 1900s turn of the century wells that have been there for more than 100 years. Uh, but, you know, if they haven't been, you know, properly plugged, they're, they're a hazard. And a lot of these states are still trying to get a handle on that. It's kind of remarkable. I saw that um, EERC, the Energy Environment Research Center, was represented down at the conference, too. What were they talking about? Yeah, well, Jay Almley was there. From it was EERC. Jay, okay. Jay, uh, Jay leads the project uh, called iPipe, uh, Integrated Pipeline uh, Technology. I can't recall exactly the acronym, but it's, uh, you know, it's using technology to identify and to prevent... Um, possible leaks pipeline leaks that's really the target of it you know it's this kind of shark tank sort of uh 
project where they look at some of the best ideas and then fund them through the Oil and Gas Research Council here in partnership with, I think they have eight different industry partners now, looking at ways to, um, you know, to prevent pipeline leaks to, you know, I mean, pipelines are 99.999, something like that percent safe, but there's, you know, there's always an issue. So they're looking at uh, technology and ways to do that. It's a, it's a really a fantastic project and they've, uh, they've got some, you know, promising prospects to, you know, to, to identify these leaks before they happen, looking at pipe integrity and, and uh, some things like that. They've got golf ball-sized probes. They can actually, you know, they're sensors that go through the pipe, and then when they bring them out, they're full of data that can uh, be interpreted to, uh, you know, to identify potential hazards. They're using satellites. Uh, there's a company called Satellitics. Uh, it's, it's really quite fascinating, and it's a growing project. It's a multi-year project, so it's going to it's gonna go on for a little while longer. Mr. Jeff Simon, going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause, but when we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Jeff Simon with the Western Dakota Energy Association. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Play cards in Gillette, Wyoming, the energy capital of the nation. The Wyoming Center at the Camplex, home of the Energy Exposition 20th Anniversary. June 26th and 27th, it's the longest-running oil and gas trade show in the Rockies. You go there, you get exposed. Register your company for a booth now. Attendees can pre-register online and bypass the crowds. Don't miss the Industry Networking Dinner with keynote speaker, Governor of Wyoming, Mark Gordon. And guess who else? U.S. Rep. Liz Cheney, U.S. Senators Mike Enzi and John Barrasso live feeds straight from the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Then Chansey Williams and the Younger Brothers Band perform live on stage. Awesome. Oh, and don't forget the Energy Symposium. Join in the panel discussions on the new regulations and procedures. Discover how new large projects are going to benefit you, Wyoming, and the Rocky Mountain region. Like to golf or just network? Then check out the Expo Golf Tourney, benefiting the Gillette College Foundation on June 25th. Hosted by Energy Solutions Corp. and organized by Gillette Physical Therapy. Admission to the Expo is always free and the exposure is, you know, priceless. Energy Exposition and Symposium, June 26th and 27th, 2019. And you already know, we're going to party like it's 1999. Find out more at energyexposition.com. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking. With construction resuming in early 2019, the Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we continue the conversation with Keith Bowden with Contro Oil and Gas. 30-40% less risk involved in drilling a well in Texas. You're going to drill it in Texas before you before you come into Louisiana. Louisiana is, you know, we have, we have we're fighting the legacy lawsuits. Uh, the, the the severance tax that that uh, operators pay in Texas in Louisiana is twelve point seven percent, where you cross the border into Texas and you're paying three point four percent. You know we have to we have to have a, a a level playing field to even start attracting our oil and gas uh, companies back, and then you you know you carry this thing one step further. 
you can look at at, at uh, you know Toyota or or Ford or carrier air conditioners or, or any of these major corporations that you know if they if they're going to consider building a new plant, do you think they're going to build it in a plant where the the political atmosphere is sue industry or work with industry to, to attract business? I mean, you know, it's it, we just we're just shooting ourselves in the foot. So this twelve point seven percent compared to was it three point four or something like that? That, that that's correct. Okay, so that's correct. Is that just is is that like a, a oil gas production extraction tax? Is that kind of the that's idea? Correct. Okay, that's correct. It's a, it's an extraction tax. Anything that's anything that's extracted uh, from from the, the the state of Louisiana, they they pay a tax per barrel. To, uh, 12.7% here in Louisiana. They have the same tax in Texas, but they pay 3.4%. Just like the legacy lawsuits. Legacy lawsuits are lawsuits that they they can go back and sue the operator of a, of a well from today till when it was originally drilled. They can go back and sue for millions of dollars and just sue everybody that had any type of ownership in that well from the time it was drilled to the current day. Keith Bowden is our guest. Uh, we're talking about some of the differences, quite honestly, between Louisiana's political climate and neighboring states of Texas. And well, Texas is the example we're talking about. Is this the same issue with uh, Arkansas? And um, uh, was is there is there? Well, I can't imagine there's much in Mississippi. The Tuscaloosa that's too muddy to frack right now. I mean, you got to get the ninety bucks to frack there but is there any any activity in arkansas in terms of that's a neighboring state isn't it yeah arkansas you know louisiana and texas are the are the two big producers down here right you're gonna have some some uh, you know some drilling in mississippi uh, a slight bit in in alabama and, and even uh, you know some in florida but uh you know i'm, I'm comparing but, our state louisiana that, I, that i'm familiar with to uh, texas a neighboring state that has the same type of economy, and and even, and even Oklahoma, I could imagine could get, could get thrown into the mix because that's just one yes. one more adjacent over. So, well, let's let let, let me ask you in a nutshell what uh, what's the twelve point seven all about? I mean, that's a pretty high tax. Yeah, that's that's just the tax, and you know, twelve point seven when when all companies are are getting a hundred dollars a barrel, they tend not to. Not to worry about uh, about a tax like that, but now you're talking about uh, forty to fifty dollar a barrel oil, and and every penny counts. You know, and and uh, you know the the difference between twelve point seven and three point four, or or make a an operator decide to drill in Texas over Louisiana all day long. Well, without a doubt. So what what needs to be done? I mean, how can something like that be lowered? I guess is it is it bro- like in in North Dakota, for example. They've got an extraction tax and then a production tax, and so it's two different taxes that get get melded into one. And so they're at they're at eleven and a half percent, but it's a five and six and a half. Um, so they they've got different ways that they can play with different taxes, and then they've got a trigger tax on top of that. So um, how is that twelve percent, twelve and twelve point actually thirteen percent, twelve point seven percent? Is that just a, goes into the general fund, or is that going to different places? Just ex- well, it, it's it's a pretty high tax, is what I'm getting at. That's yeah, it, Louisiana is uh, a funding project. There's there's a lot of dedicated funding that, that 
there's really no way to change unless you change it through a constitutional convention. But the, the severance tax, uh, you know, it goes into the general fund and then it's allocated from there to, to the different, the different uh, budget, budgetary needs. The, uh, the, the, the tax, uh, it, would, it, it can be lowered, with, you know, just with a constitutional, with, with a, not a constitutional convention, I'm sorry, but just with a, a, a bill through the, through the legislature. Sure. Uh, and, and it, you know, they, but Louisiana doesn't, doesn't have enough business people and especially oil people in the legislature right now. And that's one of the main reasons I'm running. We need a voice to, to protect the, the business and the industry and especially the oil and gas industry in the, in the, in the legislature in, in Louisiana. Oh, you're what, now tell me about what you, what are you running for? I'm running for state representative. When's that election? That's going to be October 12, 2019, the end of this year. Oh, no kid. You got an early start, man, if you're, if you're already out beating the doorways down and campaigning. Well, you know, I, 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 have to take, I have to, you know, start early because I, I've never run for political office before. Uh, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a career politician. This is a, this is a new thing for me. It's the first time uh, that, I, that I get out there and, and start, you know, talking to the people on a, you know, on a, a political basis. But I just can't sit back and watch it happen and not do something about it. Well, I, I know what you mean. I mean, one of the things that we do on the program is is we try to point out that, you know, the oil and gas industry has really done quite a bit for the economy. It's done quite a bit for um, communities. It's done quite a bit for governments in order to expand and do a lot of different things. And then they turn around and they continue to donate back to their local charities and governments and social pro- so social services that a lot of times a lot of businesses do not donate to. Um, so I, I guess I, I look at what, what's happening in a lot of state political, I guess, rooms, whether it be the state capitals or whatever. It just seems like in these oil and gas producing states, it's pretty easy to pick on the oil and gas companies to try to get more money from them. And that's what I was asking about that 12.7, because in North Dakota, 50 percent of their um, tax revenue is reliant on two oil and gas taxes. Think about that. Fifty yep. percent of their state budget is now it's reliant. As bad as Saudi Arabia. It's it's <laughs> what's that? <laughs> I said that's almost as bad as Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia almost almost ninety percent of their economy <laughs> is based over oil and gas. Mr. Keith Bowden, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Keith Bowden with Contro Oil and Gas. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. 
groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Gillette, Wyoming, the energy capital of the nation. The Wyoming Center at the Camplex, home of the Energy Exposition 20th Anniversary. June 26th and 27th, it's the longest running oil and gas trade show in the Rockies. You go there, you get exposed. Register your company for a booth now. Attendees can pre-register online and bypass the crowds. Don't miss the industry networking dinner with keynote speaker, Governor of Wyoming, Mark Gordon. And guess who else? U.S. Rep. Liz Cheney, U.S. Senators Mike Enzi and John Barrasso live feeds straight from the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Then Chansey Williams and the Younger Brothers Band perform live on stage. Awesome. Oh, and don't forget the Energy Symposium. Join in the panel discussions on the new regulations and procedures. Discover how new large projects are going to benefit you, Wyoming, and the Rocky Mountain region. Like to golf or just network? Then check out the Expo Golf Tourney, benefiting the Gillette College Foundation on June 25th. Hosted by Energy Solutions Corp. and organized by Gillette Physical Therapy. Admission to the Expo is always free and the exposure is, you know, priceless. Energy Exposition and Symposium, June 26th and 27th, 2019. And you already know, we're going to party like it's 1999. Find out more at energyexposition.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Down in the Delta, where there is shelter, no helter skelter, no blues around. I'm on my way now. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we continue the conversation with Jeff Simon with the Western Dakota Energy Association. You're pretty involved with that. Um, do you think I'm going off the deep end, or have I got something to it there? You are right on target. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, just to, you know, we mentioned that oil and gas conference. Lynn Helms, uh, our... Uh, industry regulator here in North Dakota used the term consumer states, you know, and it was in the context of what we'd mentioned at the outset of the interview here about the Washington state legislation. You know, really, I mean, the, the consumer states, particularly those on the West coast, they have a choice here, you know, and, and it was pointed out in the, in the uh, debate over that legislation out there, the, the legislation we're in, we're talking about would, it wouldn't, as you say, necessarily ban crude oil imports by rail, but it could potentially curtail them if they were to ramp up in the future. But the, the choice really for Washington State, again, there is do you want this crude from domestic sources where it's creating American jobs and people are paying American taxes, or do you want it to come in through Puget Sound on, a, on an oil tanker from the Middle East? I mean, that's, that's really the choice there. And, uh, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders, you can get your oil from Saudi Arabia if you want, but I'll take American crude. Well, not only that, but... You, you've seen this firsthand because you, you live out there. And, you know, for me, I grew up on the eastern side of North Dakota, Fargo, 
you know, Minneapolis I was born in, but spent most of my time in North Dakota. That's why I went out to the Bakken and lived out there for a year so I could embed myself in the industry and figure out the day-to-day how it works. And it only took me about three seconds to realize the oil and gas industry is about the last essence of capitalism truly alive in today's economy. They, they don't get a lot of subsidies. Unfortunately, farming, you, you do. And so it's, it's, it's a little bit hard to say that, whereas oil and gas pay their fair share in taxes and then some. They also give their fair share of donations to the nonprofits and then some. And they still seem to have money left over for the T-ball team, the local church event, and a lot of other things that they get hit up for. And so to me, it just seems like they're the last bastion of capitalism. And that's what actually drew me to the whole industry. And to see that still alive out there is just, it's so amazing. And I think that gets underreported too. I really do. And I think people need to be more aware of that. And you're out there on a day-to-day basis. Do you see that still happening out there? Oh, there's enormous amounts of capital invested. I mean, the industry is investing literally millions and millions of dollars a day. Lynn Helms had a figure here earlier. Uh, I think to date, I would say, you know, the industry has invested something between, by now probably between 130 and $150 billion in North Dakota. I mean, that's putting capital at risk. Nowadays, you know, it's a little bit more predictable. It's not, it's not so much exploratory as it is actually just production because they know the oil's there and they know how to get it out of the ground. But, I mean... It makes such an enormous contribution to the economy of uh, not just North Dakota, but the, the you know the entire country. We have extremely affordable energy. You know, gasoline is you know most places now somewhere between two fifty and three bucks a gallon. That, that's just incredible that we we can produce a a useful commodity like that for that price. But then consider the tax revenue. I mean, at at today's uh, production and uh, today's price accrued. In uh, North Dakota, the oil industry is probably going to pay, in a single year, about $3 billion in taxes. So, um, you know, to say it isn't important um, and that it's not making a huge contribution to the American way of life would be very disingenuous. And to to get the, you know, to the idea that you would want to eliminate that, that's... You know that is kind of crazy, Jason. Well, that's where I, that's where I'm going because really, if if you dig deep into this thing, to where okay, let's ban. Well, in Colorado, the governor came out and called it the war on oil and gas. He said the war on oil and gas is the term he used. That scared me because that means that it's you know there, there there's a what's the word I'm looking for organization. There's an organizational effort being handed here, and then when I see what's going on in the state of Washington. And then, yeah, you know, these consumer states, yeah, that's a, that's a very good term for it. That is a very good term for it. And um, my, my concern is, though, that I don't think they understand the way that the economy works. And you remember, I think you were at the Petroleum Council's annual meeting when Stephen Moore was there from, uh, sure. from he's an economist, he's a, a regular on Fox uh, as, as, an, as a correspondent. But he had a slide up during his presentation where it showed that the mining industry, the oil and gas industry, the only one that's had a net gain of jobs over the last 10 years. So all the technology talk, all the farming investment, all the uh, millennial investment, everything did not have a net gain of jobs at the end of 10 years. It was only the mining industry. It was because of the oil and gas hydraulic fracturing movement. That's, that said a lot to me. You know that, that meant that in a big body of work, 
the oil and gas industry has been carrying a lot of cafes and, and, and t-shirt shops. And you know what I mean by that? All those quality yeah. of life type of well, uh, businesses. So go, go ahead, go ahead. Well, those, I mean, those dollars uh, recirculate in our economy. I mean, that's, that's the, the kind of the message by, by making energy affordable. Um, people have more disposable income for all the other life's pleasures. It's, you know, uh, I was, uh, I, I, one of my, uh, uh, avocations i guess you might call it is i i spend a little time on twitter kind of trolling the environmentalists out there oh you know <laughs> it's it's kind of fun with you you know just to kind of make fun of them because they're just so um you know so out of touch with what's really going on out there and you know to, to point out the fallacy of, of their argument that you know somehow we're going to live without this are you kidding me i mean consider you know where you're going to be without gasoline and, and i mean it, it, the people leading those consumer states you know if they if they're going to step up and stop using gasoline and and uh, diesel and jet fuel well you know then i'll maybe start listening to them but you know until they do that i mean they're just they're just being hypocrites that's so one of the things that we're doing this summer is with the earth's champion um we're going to be promoting and educating more of educating that, you know, like what you said, that the today's environmentalist has changed. They've changed. Okay, Ed Begley, Ed Begley Jr. can come on our program any day of the week. Ed Begley Jr. drives around in a methane garbage-powered car. That guy's walking the walk, talking the talk. When yeah. I went out to the Dapple protesters, the person tried to serve me a Keurig coffee cup. Oh, actually, exactly. I left the interview. No, thank you. Absolutely not. We have experts on this program. We don't have hypocrites. And so that really opened my eyes to the modern day protester. And then you saw, of course, the um, the garbage that was left behind at the Dapple oh. protest. That was awful, absolutely yeah. awful. A million dollar cleanup. Right? M- million dollar, exactly. And and it was and it was garbage. It it was not compositable, you know, like uh, pl- plastic or I'm sorry, cardboard drinking straws. No, these were plastic. You know, things they picked up at the grocery store. And, then, you know, these were convenient plastic things, like it a Keurig coffee, you know. And so... wasn't quite a super fun site, but it was a big mess. Mr. Jeff Simon, going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause, but when we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Jeff Simon with the Western Dakota Energy Association. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Gillette, Wyoming, the energy capital of the nation. The Wyoming Center at the Camplex, home of the Energy Exposition 20th Anniversary. 
June 26th and 27th. It's the longest-running oil and gas trade show in the Rockies. You go there, you get exposed. Register your company for a booth now. Attendees can pre-register online and bypass the crowds. Don't miss the industry networking dinner with keynote speaker, Governor of Wyoming, Mark Gordon. And guess who else? U.S. Rep. Liz Cheney, U.S. Senators Mike Enzi and John Barrasso live feed straight from the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Then Chansey Williams and the Younger Brothers Band perform live on stage. Awesome. Oh, and don't forget the Energy Symposium. Join in the panel discussions on the new regulations and procedures. Discover how new large projects are going to benefit you, Wyoming, and the Rocky Mountain region. Like to golf or just network? Then check out the Expo Golf Tourney, benefiting the Gillette College Foundation on June 25th, hosted by Energy Solutions Corp and organized by Gillette Physical Therapy. Admission to the Expo is always free, and the exposure is, you know, priceless. Energy Exposition and Symposium, June 26th and 27th, 2019. And you already know, we're going to party like it's 1999. Find out more at energyexposition.com. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, coming up next, we continue the conversation with Jeff Simon with the Western Dakota Energy Association. The fact is, Jason, the, the evidence is there in science. You know, it's science and economics. I mean, it, it, that's the, the, the downfall of the environmental organizations. I think the the science so-called science that they use has been so vastly corrupted it's you know the whole climate group thing thing is just it's just unbelievable now that there are people out there that think carbon dioxide is causing hurricanes it's just i mean it's utter nonsense but you know scientists are dependent on government revenue you know the the you know the science that, that promote that level of activism are, are dependent on it and you kind of you can't cut through that mentality these people are not looking at real objective science they're not considering rational economics when you talk about energy and where you're going to get it and how it's produced and its net contribution to the to society we need to get back to those fundamentals of good science good economics well and common sense seems to help too you know i mean you know there, there was a time where the oil and gas industry and the environmentalists were working together i mean you, you don't have to dig too deep into an oil and gas company to see that they have renewable energy departments and they have in you know research and development because they understand that you know that they're they want to make money too and there's a demand out there and but when you start looking at the state of texas i don't know if they got into this much down at the conference you're at or you've been following but all those mcmansions down there that put up solar panels in the last three years that they they've been trying to track none of them made money none of them they all costed them money so all they did was subsidize themselves to to you know look trendy and be kind of cool and they and they openly admit it now that's that all that was was nice hubcaps on their car because it did nothing for their energy bill well you know what we have to what, what i think society has to recognize is that we have a we have a, a clean environment in the united states because we can afford it you know, if, if you don't have a prosperous economy, you can't afford to do the research that's going to lead to that breakthrough. You can't mandate some sort of technological breakthrough by 
by banning what we have now. It just isn't, it doesn't make sense. We, we just need to support ongoing research if we're going to have these breakthrough technologies. And in North Dakota, our folks, we devote a lot to research. We've got a Lignite Research Council, Oil Gas Research Council, and a lot of research goes on at the universities in the Valley over there, Grand Forks and, and Fargo, North Dakota State and UND. They're doing all sorts of research into energy and looking for better ways to do things, and agriculture too, for that matter. Brought up a good point that I should bring on a buddy of mine who's been traveling to China the last 20 years, and that's what he talks about. He goes, you'd be amazed at how much that country has cleaned up. He goes, when I first went there, you couldn't even walk across a bridge because the rivers smelled like raw sewage. And, you know, some of the areas in the city were just so polluted with with smoke and that sort of stuff. Well, they've, they've we've sold them our intellectual property. We've consulted. We've gone over. And the nice thing is, is that we are helping different countries clean up their 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 deal there's a great uh a number of books out there that talk about the ethical argument for oil and gas that really just talks about bringing third world countries out of the third world and quite honestly if you look at it from that perspective you don't need to dig much deeper than that <laughs> I mean, well, just in the just in the past 30 years uh you know the, the portion of the global population that's in you know dire poverty has dropped uh, from it was about 30 percent now it's less than 10 percent you know a lot of these areas have been electrified and it's largely attributable to the development of fossil fuels in those countries i mean but um you know the only way you're ever going to clean up is if you can if you can afford to do it i mean you have to have affordable energy and these other these other sources just aren't aren't going to deliver that if you don't i mean you look at a at a you know, a third world country, they look at the environment in terms of consumables and flammables. What can I, what can I harvest and what can I burn to keep warm? That's, you know, uh, modern society doesn't do that. We look at ways to uh, use fossil resources efficiently, effectively, cleanly, and, um, you know, everyone benefits from that. Jeff Simon, Western Dakota Energy Association, on the line with us, wrapping up here. As we concluded the 2019 legislative session in the state of North Dakota, which his organization follows very closely, they've got a weekly newsletter, of course, you can always sign up for. They give you a great little snapshot of week in review of news and quick links of different things as well. Uh, talk to me about some of the uh, few things that we need to keep an eye on for the next uh, year or two till the next legislative session, some things that oil and gas uh, people need to be aware of here now in, in the in the Bakken? Mm. Well, I would say, uh, you know, over the interim, uh, probably one of the most interesting topics to follow is going to be a study of what to do with the legacy fund earnings. I mean, we've got a legacy fund in North Dakota from oil taxes that have been, uh, it was a measure on the ballot, and uh, we've got a permanent fund now, but the earnings from that can now be spent or invested or, or something with them. Um, you know, the, this is the first biennium, seventeen nineteen, where that's available, and there's a lot of a lot of ideas out there about what we should do with that. So that'll be part of an interim study. I think people will want to watch that one pretty closely. Is is yeah. that the one that the uh, library is getting a lot of press with? Well, that that was another thing, but um, that was the governor had proposed using legacy earnings to uh, uh, put in a, uh, a a state contribution to match private sector dollars for the Theodore Roosevelt Presidential Library. Yeah. As, as it turned out, the uh, the money that they put in there did not come from the legacy earnings. But okay. 
that project is a you know there's private fundraising effort underway and hopefully within the next three four years we'll see that facility open uh, in uh, Theodore Roosevelt National Park just outside Medora. And that was Mr. Jeff Simon with the Western Dakota Energy Association. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews right here at the Multimedia Cafe, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTubes. All the social media links are available at thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. That's going to do it for today's program. We'll be back tomorrow at this time on this radio station. And if you're streaming us online or listening to us on one of our many, 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 many podcast platforms like iTunes, we thank you very much for selecting us as part of your content. We know there's a million places out there with a million people doing content. So thank you very much. From the staff here at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. Dodging the clouds and heading for the sun. Oh, yeah, you built a bridge and I hammer on the harmony. After a hard week's work, we'll have made a mighty fine melody. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Gillette, Wyoming, the energy capital of the nation. The Wyoming Center at the Camplex, home of the Energy Exposition 20th Anniversary. June 26th and 27th, it's the longest-running oil and gas trade show in the Rockies. You go there, you get exposed. Register your company for a booth now. Attendees can pre-register online and bypass the crowds. Don't miss the industry networking dinner with keynote speaker, Governor of Wyoming, Mark Gordon. And guess who else? U.S. Rep. Liz Cheney, U.S. Senators Mike Enzi and John Barrasso live feeds straight from the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Then Chansey Williams and the Younger Brothers Band perform live on stage. Awesome. Oh, and don't forget the Energy Symposium. Join in the panel discussions on the new regulations and procedures. Discover how new large projects are going to benefit you, Wyoming, and the Rocky Mountain region. 
Like to golf or just network? Then check out the Expo Golf Tourney, benefiting the Gillette College Foundation on June 25th. Hosted by Energy Solutions Corp. and organized by Gillette Physical Therapy. Admission to the Expo is always free and the exposure is, you know, priceless. Energy Exposition and Symposium, June 26th and 27th, 2019. And you already know, we're going to party like it's 1999. Find out more at energyexposition.com.